You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. We did ourselves a disservice by focusing so wrong. I was focused on forcing my ideas into the show instead of letting the show compel me with its ideas. Welcome back, everybody, to The Basement Binge, another episode here. And if you're new here, welcome to your very first Basement Binge episode, hopefully one of many. Uh, Let's get into the episode here because I'm having a hard time with it. Uh, Every episode, when I sit down to prepare for it, I do a lot of writing. I have a a OneNote on my computer and my phone that's just full of thoughts that I'm constantly dumping into it throughout the day, just like a quick thought. And then I'll compile them all together in a way that's comprehensive, trying to tell an overarching idea or story about a specific film. And it's been awesome to see how my writing's improved, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that with this episode, in preparing my thoughts about WandaVision, I've had so many thoughts just swimming around in my head, but I haven't been able to get them down on paper or text, black and white, whether it's typing on my phone or my computer or writing in a notebook. I've really struggled to put it into something tangible, a script, so to speak. So this is just me sitting down attempting to fix that. I'm just going to talk away and fix it in post, so to speak. Not really. I have a general outline of things that I want to say. But in preparing for this episode, it's been really intriguing to see how difficult it is to prepare my thoughts about these things because most of it just feels like genuine feelings that are harder to put into words. So it's interesting. 
I also apologize. I'm trying to get these episodes out, this one and another one that's coming right after it about Falcon and Winter Soldier, my hopes for that. So if the editing is not on par, if there's a little more, few more ums or ahs or so's, please bear with me. Working on not saying those things. Anyway, I'm working off a little bit of a cold as well. So if my voice is a little bit more raspy than normal, that's why I've got a bit of a sore throat, which I don't bring up just to apologize for voice differences. But actually, last night I took some NyQuil. <clears throat> and for those of you that don't know, NyQuil has an ingredient in it that helps you sleep. It, it's supposed to put you to sleep quickly. Some of the best sleep I ever get is with NyQuil. And I always fall asleep quickly when I take NyQuil. Helps me feel better too. Anyway, took some NyQuil, laying in bed. And I don't know if this happens to you, if anyone else has experienced this, but I felt the effects on my body where I was falling asleep. My eyelids were getting really heavy. I was becoming less and less aware of what was happening around me. My body was very just like, I was just about asleep and I just stayed in that just about asleep point for a long time because I just kept thinking about this episode and another one that I'm working on as well for your name. Super stoked about that. But also WandaVision, the thoughts just kept swimming around in my head and I kept trying to empty my mind to go to sleep because I was late and I needed some sleep to feel better. I had to wake up early for work. I just could not. And it, it was weird that I felt the effects of the medicine on my body physically, but mentally, I couldn't stop thinking about all this. So this is also, I'm excited to talk about these things. I have a lot of thoughts that I want to share shortly and briefly and concisely, but it's also a little bit of a mental release to be able to dump out what's been taken on my mind. And that is WandaVision. You saw the title. These are my thoughts about WandaVision, specifically the ending. If you didn't know, if you didn't listen to the monthly update, I talked about it a lot. I was on a podcast with Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies, which was a ton of fun for WandaVision. Every week we got together and we talked about WandaVision. We're doing it again for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you want to listen to the WandaVision episodes and hear how wrong we were about so many things, but also how we were right, go check out Matt Goes to the Movies linked in the show notes and also subscribe to him for episodes coming about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Anyway, every week we got together and we were all excited about WandaVision, and we talked about it as we had our, our season finale wrap-up, how the show quickly became something we didn't know that we were going to love so much. That Actually, I said that backwards. It became something we loved that we didn't know we would. It, we got so much more out of it than any of us were expecting. It was better than any of us were expecting, and it was something that we, we wanted every week. I remember being infuriated every single time a Please Stand By showed up on the screen. So, we would go through this eight-week process, nine episodes, week by week. Every week, Matt, Rob, and I, we get together and we talk. Every week, we talk about our theories. Every week, we dissect every possible detail and plot point in the episode. And we talk about ideas, theories, things we're expecting. But we also just genuinely talked about why we loved it. It was a blast. And then we got to the finale. And it went from just like, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, it's amazing to like, this isn't the best thing ever. And there was a huge turnaround. I was reading people's reviews on Letterboxd and other sources. And it went from people just loving it and loving it. I'm not everyone, but mostly tons of people loving it and talking about how great it is. And then the season finale really turned a lot of people around. I think there were, it was because 
So anyway, I'm not, I almost started getting into the actual thoughts here, which of course I'm getting to. I'm just trying to set it up properly. WandaVision was the show to talk about. And I think the reason that people are having a retroactive disappointment and dislike in it is because the nature of its existence. So let me just set a few things up here for you. This is the first TV show, series, whatever you want to call it, Disney Plus exclusive for the MCU. It's the first time that the MCU is branching out then not a huge tentpole blockbuster movie. It is the first MCU content we have had way back from the last Spider-Man film, which, if you guys didn't know, was a long time ago. Just a, just, it came out in 2019. It is now 2021, right? That's a long time. Like a year and a half, we've been waiting for MCU content, and we all been very anxious. Obviously, the plan was not to have WandaVision first for Phase 4 of the MCU, and also not the first Disney Plus original. It was going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier, but also it wasn't going to start the phase. We were supposed to start with Black Widow, and I also think Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and maybe even Eternals. I don't remember. The schedule got so messed up. But So we were all anxious for it. So it has this intense buzz around it because we're all waiting for what it's going to be. And it quickly became something that was really, really amazing. So we all got really invested in it. And it's a mystery. It's a mystery TV show that's presented for you to figure out and unravel. Let me go back. It's, It's set up to have mystery, to keep you engaged, to keep you guessing. It's a week by week, one at a time, slow burn reveal of what's going to happen. And it is the defining piece of entertainment in pop culture when the focus on entertainment at home has grown significantly because of COVID-19 and everything involved in that. So first off, eyes are already on it because of its spearhead for phase four of the MCU in an 18-month break, which is the longest we've ever had it quickly becomes really high quality and becomes the central focus of pop culture discussion everywhere. It also is a mystery type series with a slow week by week reveal that you can't binge watch. So that gives everybody from the YouTube theorists to the coworkers having a conversation to come up with ideas and to think about it and to let the ideas sit and process in their head and, and turn into ideas and theories and dissect and go back and, and watch breakdown videos and the Canadian lad watching it at 0.25 speed and so on and so forth. Like it, in the, okay, mysteries are hard to do, okay? Especially as a TV show. In the world of the internet and pop culture's obsession with theorying things and figuring things out, I bet it's even harder. I do not envy the writers and the huge task that they had in front of them. So what does this have to do with anything? I have been reading a lot about both the director, the cast, and the writers, what they thought. And a lot of people are asking about fan theories because that seems to be the breakaway. The show, for what it was intended to be, is phenomenal. It's so fantastic at it. The show, for what the spoilers and theories incepted, is not very good. We were wrong. We were all wrong. We were focused on the wrong things. And... 
that can leave a sour taste in your mouth, being wrong, having such high, exciting hopes. So I don't want to take us down the road of the defense of the indefensible or just feeling like I'm, I'm justifying everything. But I want to talk about some of these points and my thoughts about them and why I think WandaVision is an incredibly good series that did something phenomenal and is amazing and one of my favorite things we've gotten out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe recently. So let's talk about these big negatives that people are looking about. The biggest one, without a doubt, has to be the casting of Evan Peters as Quicksilver or fake Pietro Fietro. If you didn't know, Quicksilver is an X-Men. And the X-Men were owned by Fox. They had their own movies going. Those X-Men films, like the most recent one, uh, The New Mutants and Dark Phoenix, they had an X-Men series. And Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the X-Men universe. So when, I think it was episode six, she opened that door, and it was Evan, maybe episode five, and it was Evan Peters. Everybody started thinking, is this the tie-in to the X-Men? Is this the connection? Who wasn't thinking that? Because it's a piece of genius casting. And I'm going to link this article down below. Uh, There's two of them. There's one from The Hollywood Reporter, which is an interview with the writer uh, Jack Schaefer, I think is how you say her last name. She's awesome. And that Hollywood Reporter interview is one of the best I've read. He, who is ever interviewing her, asks amazing questions. But there's another article that I will link below on Joe Blow Movie Network that just kind of compiled a bunch of quotes from the directors and the writer, um, or the director and writer, about what they thought. Um, and they talk about Evan Peters. I'm trying to find the right thing here. And ask, you know, they're asking him about fan theories and, and were you worried? Were you tossing and turning? What did it make you think? And one of the ones that Jack Schaefer responded to about Evan Peters was how it was one of the things that was part of the beginning development of the show. At that moment in the show, one opens the door and there's somebody there. And it's her brother, but not. And Wanda is in such grief and so emotionally destroyed that she, as a person with a brain, she is able to recognize that this is not her brother, that something is off. But she's so broken that she doubts herself so much that she initially accepts him as her brother. It's a little gut punch to Wanda. And so the writers and the casting people in their genius thought, how can we deliver that same gut punch to the audience? And that's by giving us Quicksilver, who's not Quicksilver. They, she recast Pietro? Like, that idea that this is Quicksilver, but it's not. It is just great writing and what it means for Wanda. The fan theories that he, it was the linking to the multiverse, and this was how the X-Men were going to be introduced, or that he was going to be Mephisto, or some big bad, or even Magneto was going to show up, I think was all just focused on the wrong thing. There were tons of Easter eggs. There were fun details that were nothing but Easter eggs and details. They're not plot points. Easter eggs and plot points are totally different things. And looking back at the discussions that I had, not not blaming Matt or Rob, but the things I personally brought up, the things I wanted to talk about, the things that I was focusing on in the show were Easter eggs, and I was treating them like significant plot points. I'll get more into that in a second, but when we try to take the show and develop into something that it's not, 
when we say that blue is red and red is yellow, it totally shifts what's it's intended to be. Evan Peters being there was never uh, a rude way at twisting the audience's expectations into thinking it was the X-Men just to, to pull it out as red herring with a juvenile joke. Was that juvenile joke stupid? Yeah, I, I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I think that there's a better way to handle that. I, I do think it's kind of genius that he's Ralph, that, that Agatha or Agnes just kind of showed up and took over some resident's home in Westview and started calling Ralph her husband that we never saw. And every time she was complaining about her husband, it was a person that she was holding captive. Like that, that's genius writing that just went over all of our heads because we were so focused on the X-Men. And I never thought that the X-Men were going to come to the MCU so soon because I trust in Kevin Feige and what he said about how he knows that we need a break. But I got bought in. Ralph, or not Ralph, excuse me. Rob and Matt were convincing. They had me convinced that this was going to be the beginning of the X-Men or that he was going to be Mephisto. Like I really bought into he was a big deal through my own choice as well. It wasn't just them. So not to just talk about this one point forever, but it's just sad that we missed out on what was actually being told. It's just the great meta piece that really serves the story really well. And I think it's awesome. Now, again, I want to say, I think the way that they handle his character in the ending, I, I still think that he's the missing person that uh, Jimmy Wu was there for. The ending and ending it with such a stupid juvenile joke and literally just letting it fall flat and mean nothing. I think that he's going to turn out to be somebody just out of my hope that Evan Peters can stay in the MCU because Evan Peters is awesome. Um, and also Evan Peters doesn't want it to just be a gimmick. And it's kind of sad how most people view it as a gimmick, a red herring gimmick, which would it was intended to be the exact opposite. It was intended to be a great emotional point that we just totally twisted and, and took the wrong way. The other thing that I'm going to talk about here is what I said earlier. We, we did ourselves a big disservice by focusing on the wrong things. I already talked about Evan Peters. Focusing on the introduction of the X-Men or a potential Mephisto played by Evan, Feeder, Evan Peters. By focusing on Ultron coming back or the multiverse starting or Magneto showing up or Doctor Strange having this big cameo. I went through and read a bunch of my reviews because I reviewed episode by episode. And episode one, I feel so dumb. Actually, let me just pull it up. Read it word for word, okay? Episode one and two, a perfect double release. This is totally House of M, but instead of no more mutants, I'm betting we get the multiverse. Was there anything, anything in the first two episodes that pointed out the multiverse at all? None, not a single thing. I've rewatched some of these episodes and those were some because I read that review and I was mad at myself. I decided that the show was going to build the multiverse. I didn't let the show tell me that it was going to build the multiverse. I was focused on forcing my ideas into the show instead of letting the show compel me with its ideas. I'm really frustrated with myself because I hurt myself in the process. There's nothing wrong with having ideas and trying to figure it out. That's part of the fun of this type of show, of a mystery. But I think that we just got focused on the wrong things, like the engineer. Was it a fun throwaway that it could have been Reed Richards? Yeah. Do I still think that it was intended to be that way? Yes. But was it an introduction to Reed Richards? No. If it was going to be Reed Richards, it was going to be Reed Richards, and they weren't just going to do this with a throwaway. On top of that, what made us think 
that the MCU, after 18 months, well, okay, this was made before the whole 18-month window happened, but what made us think that the big reveal for the next big baddie in the MCU, or a potential big baddie, was going to come in a Disney Plus exclusive that is the first Disney Plus exclusive show, right? The MCU is built on these huge tentpole films that make billions of dollars at the box office. Some people who love the MCU aren't watching WandaVision. For example, my younger sister, who is the reason that I like the MCU, she bought me tickets to Infinity War when I wasn't interested in any new movies. 2017, she, I had no idea what the MCU was. I'd seen the Avengers film and I think Iron Man 3, but not a single film after that. And then she took me to Infinity War and I wanted to watch everything afterwards. She got me invested and it was exciting. She's not watching WandaVision. Granted, she's also a college student now, so she's a lot busier, but still, you, you make time for what's important to you. What, what I'm saying is the MCU has a following because of the huge blockbuster tentpole nature of what it is. Thanos, who's been the big baddie of the last three phases, didn't show up until a teaser in the first Avengers film, which is, to do the math, one, two, three, four, five, six films in. Why did we expect, why were we counting on the next big baddie to show up in the first piece of MCU content we got in 18 months and is also the first Disney Plus exclusive and is also the first TV series that we're doing? And it's titled WandaVision. Why were we going to get Mephisto in WandaVision? And why would the MCU suddenly get to a point where it's introducing characters as complex and interesting and weird like Mephisto so soon? Like, that's just going from a a good speed, a, a fast speed that we had with the Infinity Saga, and then just cranking it up to light speed. We're going to lose everybody. Kevin Feige doesn't do that. He, the reason that they became the highest grossing film at the time with Endgame was because Kevin Feige knew how to get everybody on board. They're not just going to undo that with their first Disney Plus exclusive. Did it help Disney Plus' subscribers out a bunch? Yeah, but are they just going to throw that all away for Disney Plus? No. There's a reason that Black Widow hasn't been released to Disney Plus yet. Kevin Feige is holding on to a theatrical release. Anyway, I digress. I just, I'm frustrated with myself that I let my, my, brain be so arrogant that I was so smart that I knew the comics and these characters so well and I could nitpick these easter eggs and these details to figure it out before them which again is the fun of this series they totally invited us to do it they were egging us on but I just took it way too far we all did but I don't want to throw anyone under the bus except for myself I took it way too far and I focused on the wrong things when we well let me take a step back and say, is the show perfect? No. Am I being a little harsh towards myself? Yes, because I'm so frustrated because this is an amazing series. And let me talk about why it's an amazing series. Let me tell you why. This is the first time that we've ever gotten a story this emotionally and character driven. I did not care about Wanda. I kind of liked Vision, but I didn't care about him at all. And to be completely emotionally destroyed by a series finale is a testament to the show's quality of love between and for Vision and Wanda. It has its faults. In retrospect, there's some things that I wish could have been handled better. 
Out of five stars, I'd give it four and a half. There were just a few missteps. Overall, it was amazing. The tiny hints and details were so much fun as tiny hints and details, but I'm no longer going to let myself turn those into plot points that they actually aren't. The plot points were always about Wanda and her grief. If you go and read that Hollywood Reporter article I mentioned with interview with the writer, Jack Schaefer is a genius in the way that she wrote this series about the stages of grief and Wanda's journey through them. Again, great interview that you should go read. It was always about grief. WandaVision, in, in, in the, going back to the bubble of the MCU, of, as if it's reality, WandaVision, this, this experience that these characters are experiencing happened because of Wanda's grief. Vision happened because of Wanda's grief. Agatha showed up because she was interested in the power that Wanda displayed through her grief. The ending was great because it was all about Wanda. And I'm so glad that I was able to experience the way it was. I watched the episode, finished it, gave it a glowing review, talked about how it was amazing. And then I started to think about it. I had my conversation with Matt and Rob, and I started to dislike it and think, oh, that Evans-Peters casting, that was stupid. And and I started to ran on it and complain because, once again, I was right when I wasn't. And I'm, I'm glad because when I was watching the episode, when the stupid boner joke was made, I didn't even notice. I was like, oh, whatever. Okay, he's, he's Ralph. And then we moved on to the next thing. And I was so invested in Wanda and her grief and her struggle with her grief and her love and, and loss of vision. And I was involved in that relationship in a level that I never had before. I wish that the show would have given us a chance to be something more than dumb fanboys that need everything through a silly misdirect or a big shift. But when they're swinging for the fences, if you land one foot shy, I'm still impressed. I'm glad we, they did what they did. I'm glad that WandaVision is about Wanda and Vision. More so Wanda, but I'm glad it's not about introducing Mephisto or the Fantastic Four or Magneto or the X-Men or any of these other things. Granted, I am the type of glasses 75% full type of person when it comes to things like this, where I just, I love to embellish the good. But that's because I like enjoying things. I genuinely like enjoying things. And again, fun details are fun details, and I shouldn't let them be anything more than that. So I, real quickly, to wrap this up here, these, these scattered brain thoughts that have been all over the place, I want to talk about episode eight. Episode eight, is, I'm is my favorite episode and also my least favorite episode at the same time. We get, as I coined the phrase on Matt's podcast, jack-jack level spoon feeding, which I love. I Sit me down and spoon feed me. I'm okay with it. Because we literally saw what we were kind of putting together happen with Wanda and how it developed in her. And we got it literally spelled out. Like we went through event by event visually had it explained and if that wasn't enough then Catherine Hong as Agnes came on and verbally spelled it all out and so I I hope that we can get some more subtlety some more nuance but if you are going to spoon feed us at least continue to do it through Catherine Hong because that character and Catherine Hong just killed it everything she was in I loved so I'm hoping for some more careful storytelling but am I upset? Do I think that Evans Peter misdirect is, is rude or it's really stupid or anywhere close to the Mandarin twist? No. 
I think it was some really careful and intentional casting to further tell the story about Wanda suffering and about Wanda's grief that we, the internet, went and twisted into oblivion and kind of ruined the whole thing for us all. And I'm sorry if you were listening to the Matt Goes to the Movies podcast and something that I said (laughs) made this season finale that should have been a grandiose moment of characters struggling and overcoming those struggles and you were disappointed because the multiverse didn't erupt. I'm sorry. We were, we were totally on the wrong page. I'm on the right page now, and I can't wait for what comes next. For Wanda in the Multiverse of Madness, whenever the multiverse erupts, if at all, for Mephisto, if he ever shows up, for Evan Peters, whoever he is, I just hope he stays around because Evan Peters is awesome. So I'm just kind of taking a step back and just enjoying the story that is being told instead of trying to figure out the story that isn't through things that are just meant to be nods to fans. And I can tell that the writers and the directors had a love for us as the fans that we just, we took it and run with. They gave it an inch and we took a whole mile. So it was to our own disadvantage. So how do I wrap this up? What are my thoughts about WandaVision? I thought it was a great series that had some missteps, had some shortfalls that could have been handled a lot better, but generally was a very intentional, well-written, well-directed, exceptionally well-made, and incredibly acted MCU adventure as a Disney Plus exclusive. It was a first attempt in a new territory, and it was pretty good. And I wish that I wouldn't have made it bad for myself on accident because it's awesome. And I love that we got the story about Wanda and her grief. I'm glad that we got the story about Wanda and her love for Vision and what it means to love someone and have someone as a memory. I'm glad that Paul Bettany has a chance to stay here in the MCU because him and Elizabeth Olsen gave performances that I was shocked we were getting that didn't have the, that would not have had the chance to shine emotionally the way they did in a big blockbuster that's rushed for two hours. They had the time to shine emotionally, and I'm really, really glad. There's things that we can pick apart and complain about, but we got a great character growing. We got a sweet introduction with the character Agatha, played by Catherine Hahn. Holy smoke, she's the best. I can't wait for more of her. That, that is a fun character. And I wish I would have just focused on what actually was and enjoyed it more in the moment than focusing on what I thought would be that really wasn't ever intended to be happened. So I'm repeating myself. I'm excited. I love WandaVision, and I just had to get these thoughts out real quickly for my own brain, but also just kind of to apologize and say, you know what? I realize this was not the way to go. This is wrong. WandaVision's great. I was too harsh on it because of my own mistake. So yeah, there's my thoughts on WandaVision. That was a bit of a rant, but sometimes for yourself, you just got to rant. So thanks for listening to The Basement Binge. This has been a very abnormal episode. If you're interested in some other episodes about WandaVision, check out Matt Goes to the Movies, linked in the show notes. Also, just search Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you get podcasts. Great fun. Like I mentioned, we're doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's also been cranking out a bunch of episodes for Justice League and the upcoming Snyder Cut, which came out today. So if you're interested in that, check out Matt Goes to the Movies. If you want to hear some more from me, check out any of the podcasts. I've got an unintentional animation season happening right now. In addition to tons of episodes about the MCU. That's how the Basement Binge started. 
granted, if you listen to those episodes, it's much different. There's three of us instead of just one. Uh, it's a bit of a cringe because we were so chaotic uh, and realizing that now. But they're, holy smokes, are those episodes, those fun. And that was a fun experience. So if you're interested in MCU, check out all of that. Thanks for subscribing, listening to The Basement Binge. And thanks for leaving a review on Podchaser, of course, linked in the show notes or podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge. Leave a review. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Give me your thoughts. Am I wrong about WandaVision? What do you think about WandaVision? Let me know. You can email me at bingebasement at gmail.com or bingebasement number 9093 on Discord. Let's chat. Let's talk. Let me know what you thought about WandaVision. Am I totally off? Was the writing just ridiculously rude to fans as casting Evan Peters? Should we have gotten the engineer, whoever that is? Should the engineer have been Reed Richards? I don't think so, but maybe you do. Let me know. So thanks for listening. If you're interested in what I have to think about Falcon and Winter Soldier, immediately after this episode is uploaded, there should be one about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is coming out tomorrow. So anyway, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening to The Basin Binge. This has been a very weird episode. Thanks for letting me rant, and thanks for listening. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.